Well, good morning. So glad that you are here today. I hope you're doing well. Today is a day that we have come together to worship the Lord, but also a day that we can come to His Word and study it, and also a day that we recognize our seniors for their many, many accomplishments. Um, I, I came across some graduating quotes um, from, from some famous and not-so-famous people. These are some um, of the words that they spoke over graduates. Graduation a ritual event where they award you a diploma in the hope that you have learned enough to be able to read it. Your families are extremely proud of you. You can't imagine the sense of relief they are experiencing. This would be a most opportune time to ask them for money. If you think you are too small to be effective, you have never been in bed with a mosquito. Dr. Seuss said, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose, you're on your own. And you know what you know, you are the guy or gal who will decide where to go. Someone said, Congratulations on getting through the easiest part of your life. And there's some truth to that, isn't there? Every year, many, 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 many not-so-smart people graduate from college. And if they can do it, so can you. So there's hope for, for everybody in this room. Graduates, the world is before you. Let me challenge you to go and change it. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 21 together. Today is actually going to be the last day um, of our 1 Timothy study. Beginning next Sunday, we're going to begin a new sermon series on the life of David, a man after God's own heart. And we're going to spend the summer walking through David's life. We're going to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, there are some, some many components to David's life. And David isn't just the man that we, that we read about who was a man after God's own heart. David also had some incredible failures in his life. And so we're going to look at his life because his life, in many ways, mirror our lives, right? None of us in this room are perfect. None of us have made it through this life without making mistakes, you know, and so we're going to walk through this series, and I'm really looking forward to it. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning of verse 11. These are the words that we are going to study this morning. It says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Charge, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and flee from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for 
the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the reverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Our message point this morning is this. Start well, finish well. There's going to come a day that every single one of us in this room are going to take our final breath on this side of eternity. And if you are um, going the traditional route of a burial, which there's many different routes these days, but if you're going the traditional route where they're going to dig a hole and put you in it about six feet down and place a headstone above your grave, that on that grave there's going to be two dates. There's going to be the date of birth, the date you were born, and there's going to be the date of death, the date you died. Okay, both of those are going to be our significant events in your life. But the most significant thing on a headstone isn't the born on date or the date of death, but it's that dash that is between those two dates. Every single one of us right now that are in this room, we're living that dash, aren't we? Every single one of us right now are, 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 are impacting this world in some way or another. Let me ask you this question this morning. How are you doing within the realm of that, 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 that born on date and date of death? How are you doing right there with your dash? Are you living your life for the Lord? Are you living your life for the world? Do you know Jesus? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity when you die? Do you know um, if you were to die today where you'd spend eternity? You know, right now, some of you in this room may have made a decision for Christ at some point in your life, but right now, man, you are running from God instead of running to God. Where do you stand this morning? Notice our first point this morning. It is this. Flee what is destructive. Every single one of us in this room need to realize that we are involved in a spiritual war. There is a war that is going on inside this church, inside our bodies, as well as outside the doors of this church. We read in Hebrews 12, 4 that we are at war against sin. In 1 Peter 2, 11, we read that there is an eternal, internal war going on within us. In Jude chapter 3, we read how there is a war happening for our faith. There is a war that is happening for our faith right now. There are people trying to get us to compromise our faith. There are people outside the doors of this church that are trying to get us to, to believe that God's Word isn't the absolute truth. There is a war going on right now for our faith and our liberties are under attack. In 2 Timothy 2.3, we read how we are soldiers Every one of us in this room are a soldier if we're a believer in Jesus Christ in the Lord's army. In 2 Corinthians 6, 7, 10, 4, and Ephesians 6, we read about the different armor that we possess as soldiers in the Lord's army. And we read in Ephesians 6, 12, it reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We read, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present 
darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Every Christian in this room is involved in a battle. Satan has planted landmines all around us. And he is trying to lead us to those landmines. He's trying to get us to step on one of those landmines because he knows that if he can do that, he can destroy us in a minute. What does John 10.10 say? It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what Satan is out to do. He is out to steal from us, to kill us, and destroy us. He's trying to destroy our children. He's trying to destroy our students. He's trying to destroy the minds of our students, both in the public arena and the, and, and the, and the higher education arena. He's trying to destroy our marriages, our businesses, our leaders, and he's trying to destroy our churches. If Satan was to give you a business card today, it would have on it CEO. He is the chief executive officer of this destruction. He is trying to destroy us in any way that he can. And Paul tells Timothy and us this morning to flee from those things that are destructive. In verse 11, the first part of that scripture says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What are we to flee from? We are to flee from anything that could destroy us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, anything that is going to destroy our witness or the Lord's church, we are to flee. How many of you have ever gone through Dave Ramsey? Have you ever gone through that? Um, some of you have. We, a few months ago, we did it here as a church, and, and within one of those video clips that we looked at, um, Dave Ramsey talks about how we are to flee from debt. And he uses the illustration of a lion chasing after the gazelle. You remember that part in that study or whenever we show those videos? Dave Ramsey is up on the stage and he's just jumping around. And he's like, flee, 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 run, run from debt. And that's what we are to do from sin. We are to flee from sin. We are to run away from it. The word flee literally means to run. And you and I in this room, we need to run from sin. It reminds me of the story of Joseph in the Bible. Remember Joseph? Joseph um, was the beloved father, our son of his father. He was given the coat of many colors. His, his brothers were jealous of him, so they, they acted like they had killed him, threw him into um, a well, and then they sold him um, into slavery. And Joseph would go to Egypt, and he would rise through the ranks. But he was at one stage of his life, he was placed in charge of Potiphar's house, okay? Um, Potiphar was, was a military leader, and he was given the highest position within his home. I mean, nobody was greater than him. Potiphar was married, and Potiphar's wife, every single day, tried to seduce Joseph tried to sleep with him. And every single day, Joseph resisted. And he, he, he would flee the situation. Well, one day, Joseph found himself being the only person left in the household, except for Potiphar's wife. And so what Potiphar's wife did is she literally reached out and ripped Joseph's clothes off of him. 
Now, we don't know if he was wearing anything underneath that robe or not, but his clothes were ripped off. And we read in Genesis 39, 12, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. That is a picture of what we are to do when, when, when death is at our door, when the CEO of destruction is at our door knocking, trying to get us to compromise our faith. What we are to do is we are to run and we are to fly, fly out of there, flee out of there, and get out of Dodge just as quickly as we can is what we need to do. Okay, we, there's this, um, the, he just ran, he fled, he got out of there as quickly as he could. You know, every single one of us in this room are tempted every single day, right? Think about some of the temptations that you may have experienced just today. You know, the temptation in and of itself is not a sin, okay? All of us are tempted. Here's when it becomes a sin. It becomes a sin when we give in to that temptation, am I right? Okay? You may be tempted to lie, but it's not a lie until you actually open up your mouth and you lie about something. You know, let me just challenge you. Students, adults, children, everybody in this room, when you're tempted to lie, run. Flee from that situation. When you are tempted to cheat, run. When you are tempted to practice unethical things within your business, run. When you are tempted to go too far with your boyfriend or girlfriend, run. When you are tempted to say something that is unwholesome, run. When you are, our, our friends are trying to get you to participate in something you shouldn't participate in, where they're saying, hey, drink this or smoke this, run. Run when the CEO of destruction tries to get you to compromise your faith. What Paul challenges us to do and challenges Timothy to do this morning is it, and us to do is this. We are to flee from these things. You know, when I was in college, um, my last year at college, I got an apartment with a couple of buddies of mine, and I still remember to this day the apartment number that we lived in. It was 222. And almost every time that I would enter into that apartment, I would quote, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, peace, and love, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. We are to flee the evil desires and pursue righteousness. Let me challenge all of us in this room to memorize 2 Timothy 2.22. And when we are tempted to compromise our faith, are, are tempted to participate in something we know we shouldn't, flee and run away. We are called to flee unrighteous things, but notice our second point it is this. We are to pursue what is righteous. We read again in verse 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentlemen. You want to be a person that changes the world? That to put into practice 1 Timothy 6.11. Run from destruction and flee to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Flee from destruction and pursue after Jesus. This word pursue is the opposite of flee. When we pursue something, we run towards it. We chase after it. And that's what all of us in this room have been called to do. 
Paul is telling Timothy to flee from sinful things, but to chase after righteousness. You know what a righteous person is? A righteous person is a person that has been found to be in right standing with God the Father. They are found to be in right standing with God the Father, not because of their works, not because of the things that they've done, but because of God's love and God's grace, because they have been found to be without sin in the presence of Jesus. All of us are to chase after righteousness. We are also to chase after godliness. To be godly is simply and literally to be like God. It means to live God out. All of us in this room need to seek to be godly. We need to pursue after faith. We need to live faithfully and depend on God and believe in God that God is going to have our back and he's going to guide our steps and he's going to be there when we need him. He's going to be there when we find ourselves in those lion's den or those fiery furnaces. He's going to be there for us. Live faithfully. We are to pursue love. We are to love other people. We are to love them when they don't look like us, talk like us, act like us, participate in the things that we participate in. We are to love them. We are to love them in such a way that we demonstrate God's love to them. And we need to pursue steadfastness. Steadfastness is when you are firmly anchored and rooted in your faith. We need to be rooted as believers. We need to be steadfast. We need to hold firm. Satan is going to do everything he can to destroy us. But when we are firmly anchored, he won't be able to destroy us. We are to pursue gentleness as well. Paul is telling Timothy to be gentle and not to be overbearing. In 1 Timothy 4.12, we read these words. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. As believers, we are to set an example for unbelievers. We are to show Jesus to other people. We are to live God out on a daily basis. You know, the, I came across an illustration. How many of you have ever audited a college level or a master level class? Have you ever audited a class? Okay, I've never audited a class, but I've been in classes where other people have audited those classes. And the way I understand it, you still got to pay something to be in that class. But the thing about it is this, man, you get the same syllabus everybody else gets. You get the same um, book list everybody else gets. You get the same lectures everybody else gets. But guess what you don't have to do? You don't have to write the papers. You don't have to take the test. So you can be in that class and get the exact same amount of knowledge as everybody else in that room. But when it comes time for for tests and papers and all that, you don't have to to take it. Now, here's the deal. There's a lot of people that audit their faith or audit Christianity or audit the church. They come to church. They sit in pews like this or they sit in classrooms. They participate some. Maybe they'll answer a question here. Maybe they'll sing a song. Maybe they'll give their two cents. But when it's all said and done, all they did was audited Christianity. They were not fully vested in. Where do you stand this morning when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been auditing Christianity? Or have you made a commitment, man, where you're all in? Where do you stand this morning? 
If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Do you know where you would spend eternity? The Bible is very clear that you're going to spend eternity in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. You can audit Christianity for a period of time, but there's going to come a day when you're going to stand before God Almighty and God Almighty is going to either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or something like that, or depart from me, for I never knew you. Have you been auditing Christianity, or man, are you all in because you've given your life to Jesus and repented of your sins and cried out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Folks, we're to flee from evil things and pursue after righteousness and godliness. Notice next, we are to fight for what is right. Eugene Peterson posed this question. What do diets, exercise programs, marriages, and the Christian life have in common? It's fairly easy and even fun to begin, but it's not so easy to hang in over the long haul. There's some truth to that, isn't there? You know, it's fun to begin certain things, but then whenever reality sets in, it gets a little bit tough at times, doesn't it? The Christian life is not an easy life, but it is a life that is full of many, many glorious, rewarding things when we live our lives for Jesus Christ. But along the road, what we can be certain of of is that there's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows. There's going to be some amazing, victorious moments in our lives, and there's going to be some devastating blows that we experience in life as well. We are in a battle. It is a battle that is a spiritual one. Paul knew this, and he is telling Timothy and us this morning that we are to fight the good fight. In verse 12, we read, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. As believers, you and I need to have a soldier's mentality because we are in a battle. Every single day, we are in a spiritual battle. I mean, what can we say about soldiers? Think about soldiers. Some of y'all in this room fought for this country. And you can tell me everything that went into that. But when I think about soldiers that I've known along the way, I know this, they are tough. They are disciplined. And they make sacrifices every single day. Family sacrifices, financial sacrifices, physical sacrifices, mental sacrifices, emotional sacrifices, and they are willing to sacrifice their lives for other people. Do you realize that there's been over one million men and women that have died in battle defending our liberties? They sacrificed their lives. Why did they do that? They did it because they loved this country. And they did it because they had a soldier's mentality, which is this. They were in a fight. They were in a battle. And they knew that that battle was not over until that someone in higher rank over them said, retreat or fall back or we've claimed this land. Folks, we're in a battle, and that battle is not over until the Lord Jesus Christ calls us home.
home. A soldier during the days of Jesus, they would march up to 20 miles per day. They would carry on their back a 50-pound backpack. And when they were not in battle, they were, they were constantly preparing for battle. They were also master builders. They built roads and buildings up here on we, we see here a 2,000-year-old Roman road, and we see like a two-year-old road from somewhere in the Metroplex probably. You know, there's a difference between how things were built yesterday and how they're built today, right? Um, but sold these Roman soldiers, man, they were phenomenal individuals when it came to discipline and it came to their ability to build things. Paul often used soldier imagery in his writings because people could visualize soldiers and their mentality and their heart and their discipline. They were Roman military. They were ruthless people, but they were disciplined people. You and I are called to fight the good fight. And within this fight, there's really two components to it. The first component is this. Timothy was called to be a soldier. We read in the first part of 1 Timothy 6.12, take hold of the eternal life to which you recall. Every single one of us in this room have been called to be in the fight, to be a part of the battle. Every one of us in this room have, okay? The Lord Jesus Christ in one way or another has called all of us in this room to follow after him. Notice next, though, okay, we're called, but we must accept that call. In, in verse 12, again, we read, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy was called, and he accepted that call, and he got in the fight. Have you accepted the calling upon God to be a soldier in his army, to be a follower of his? If you haven't, what is keeping you from doing that this morning? You and I, we can either audit the Christian life or surrender our lives over to Christ and to follow after him. A mother overheard her her recent high school student pray this prayer. Goodbye, God. I'm going off to college. Do you realize that 70% of all active graduating seniors from high school, by the time their freshman year is over, they will leave the church? Why is that? Well, part of that could be that all they did during their development years is just kind of audit the church, audit Christianity. When they would go off to college, they, they get involved in things that aren't so wholesome. Habakkuk 1.5 says, Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe it told. Some of your translations say, be amazed. Now, I firmly believe with all of my heart that this generation of students has the potential to impact this world unlike any other generation since the first century church. 
I believe that with all of my heart. I see the work that is happening within the hearts of young people who are surrendering their lives um, to Jesus and they're going on mission and they're impacting the world for him because of technology and because of advancements. Man, there, there are constantly people, unreached people groups being reached. There's Bibles being translated into languages that have yet to receive the Bible. And as technology advances, so will our ability to reach the unreached people. I firmly believe this generation has the potential to impact this world unlike any other generation since the first century. But I also believe this, that this generation of people will experience more persecution than, than maybe any generation before it. As I indicated a second ago, the liberties that we have as believers in our country today are gradually being stripped from us. We see it already being stripped from people in, in, in parts of Asia and Europe and the Middle East. Persecution is going to come, but what we see in God's Word is that when persecution comes, guess what happens? God's Word advances all the more. Let's be faithful to the Great Commission. Notice our final point this morning. It is this. Live generously. Live generously. In verses 17 and 18, we read these words. As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. You know, last week we spent a little bit of time talking about money. Um, and, and we looked at this. There's one certainty in life when it comes to possessions. We're not going to take anything with us. One of a, a dear friend of mine that may or may not be in this room this morning, I was talking to her over the weekend, and, and, and we were talking about leaving inheritances to our kids. Of course, my kids aren't going to get much unless something changes. But um, what, what she said, and I thought this was great. She goes, you know, I've already told my kids that I'm going to leave them one thing, and that's my Macy's bill. We can't take anything with us, can we? Nothing. Naked we came into this world, and naked we're going to go out of this world. We looked at this verse last week, but 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. We're not going to take anything with us. So what should that tell us? It should tell us we need to be generous people with what God has given us. We should steward what he has given us well, our time, our talents, and our treasures. As we navigate through this life, our primary goal should not be to make as much money as we can. Our primary goal should be to make much of Jesus wherever we go. If God blesses us along the way and gives us um, um, riches, let's not use those riches for our good. But let's use those riches for the good of others. Let's not live our life with a closed fist, but let's live our lives with an open hand and generously give as the Lord leads us to give. Folks, all of us in this room have more than we need, don't we? There's probably not a single person in this room that, that would, would doubt that. Yeah, there's tough times. Yeah, there's times that we live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, there's times when there's nothing in our bank accounts. But here's the deal. 
And as long as we have breath, as long as we have clothes, as long as we can at least eat something along the way, we have more than we need. When God blesses you with money, as Scripture says, don't be proud, don't be arrogant, don't set your hope on material possessions, but notice this, instead we are called to live generously, we are called to do good, we are called to be rich in good works. You know, I long for that day when I can be exceedingly generous with that which God has given me, exceedingly generous with my time, exceedingly generous with the talents that God has given me, and exceedingly generous with the treasures that he has given me as well. Generous people, they store up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. In verse 19, we read, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What we do here on this earth, okay, what we accumulate here on this earth, there's going to come a day when we're going to leave it all behind. All the houses behind, all the cars behind, all the toys behind, all the money behind. We're going to leave all of that behind. But guess what? There's going to be a treasure waiting for us on the other side. As believers in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a treasure waiting for us in heaven. Let's store up things that are going to be eternal, not temporal. Notice you and I are to flee what is destructive, pursue what is righteous, fight for what is right, live generously, and finally, we are to guard the deposit. In verses 20 and 21, we read, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Timothy is called to guard the deposit and to avoid getting caught up in useless, unfruitful, and unproductive conversations. How many of you have ever found yourself in one of those kinds of conversations? And one of those conversations that you are like, how can I get out of this? Or one of those conversations where you're like, man, this is benefiting no one. Paul is saying, avoid such conversations. You know what you and I are to do? You and I have a responsibility. We are to decard the deposit of the Word of God. We need to know God's Word. We need to apply God's Word. And we need to make sure that we do not compromise God's Word. This week I had um, lunch with a, a gentleman from the community. And we were sitting together, and, and, and somehow we got on the conversation about God's Word and some, some truths found within God's Word. And this guy actually told me, he said, you know, what was true 200 years ago may not be true today. Now, here's the deal. If God's Word is, was true the day it was written, it is just as true as it is today. You and I are to guard the deposit. We are to guard and protect God's Word. God's Word speaks for itself, Okay. But the society that we live in today are trying to rewrite God's Word, aren't they? We're to guard the deposit. We are also to be people of prayer. We are to pray for all people because Jesus died for all people. Now we must go to all people as we've talked throughout First Timothy together. And we must be people that are on a mission. The mission of Christ is the same today as it was the day that the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to, to take his rightful place next to the Father in heaven. What did Jesus tell us to do? He told us to go, didn't he? He told us to go. 
He told us to make disciples. He told us to baptize new believers. And he told us to reach the nations. For every student, graduating senior, for every adult in this room, let us be obedient to the Great Commission and go and change the world. All of us have the potential to change the world, but we have to make a determination, okay? We have to make a a, a commitment to the Lord that I'm not just going to audit Christianity, but I'm all into this thing called Christianity. I'm all into following after Jesus Christ. Are you all in? Are you playing make-believe? Are you trying to be someone that you're really not? Or are you a follower of Jesus Christ who has given their life completely and solely over to God the Father? You know, as we conclude our message this morning, I know in a room like this, there may be some here that have yet to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you were to die today, you do not know where you would spend eternity. And if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front. And I'd love to share with you how you could enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would love to share with you today how you could know for certain if you were to die today where you'd spend eternity. You may be here this morning and you've been visiting this church for a while and the Lord's leading you to make friendship out of church or church home. We welcome you. You may be here this morning and you recognize, man, I've I've strayed. Man, at, at the age of X, you know, I prayed a prayer. I, I committed to follow after Jesus. I, I, got, um, I went through the baptismal waters, but man, my life is far from sold out for Jesus. Well, today may be the day that you need to, you need to make a commitment that you're going to stop auditing and you're going to start being fully engaged in this thing called Christianity and you're going to start living your life for Christ every moment of every second of every day. You know, I don't know what decision you need to make, but let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. If there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. Thank you, Father, for our time of worship. Thank you for the the words that you have given us. Father, how we are to flee from sin. We are to flee from those things that can destroy our lives. We're to flee and run from them. But we are to pursue after you, to pursue after righteousness and godliness. And Father, help us to do that. Because as we pursue you, Father, we also recognize that we are in a fight. We are in a battle. There is a spiritual war that is happening all around us. It's happening within us. It's happening in, uh, with, within the walls of this building. It's happening outside the doors of this church. There is a spiritual battle going on. And you have called us, Lord Jesus, to fight for you. Not against you, but for you. So, Lord, help us to be good soldiers. Soldiers ready 24-7 to respond to you. Father, I also pray, Lord, for all of us in this room that we will be generous with that which you have given us. Help us to steward what you have given us well for your glory. Father, I pray this morning during this time of invitation that you would move. Draw the lost unto yourself. Draw the wayward home. Father, just move now. 
For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.